Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Today, I'm very excited that we're in this uh, series called Blueprint, and again, we're going right into out of the Bible, the book of James. Uh, Jesus' brother gives us, has a writing here, the uh, teaching, and it's very practical, and we're going to be talking about that some today, but before I uh, dive into that, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever known someone who received a gift that they could not handle? Meaning like this, like... Uh, Maybe someone inherited a large sum of money, 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 how about that? A large sum of money, and that it just, you just watched it just destroy them. Or maybe someone was 16 years old and received a, 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 a muscle car, you know, like a, the Mustang that I want right now, you know? <laughs> okay, never mind, I'm still dreaming that childhood dream of, uh, you know, this Mustang with the, you know, the big engine in it and the mufflers roaring and all that. Maybe they received my car, okay? <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you see that because of that, they couldn't handle that and it, they wrecked their car and it was, you know, devastating. And so what I'm trying to say is that sometimes a blessing can become a curse if we're not prepared for it. Would you agree with that? And so like, I, you know, I fell in this trap uh, when my son was like three years old at Christmas, I couldn't wait to, to give him the gifts that I couldn't, I didn't have when I was a kid. So uh, I, I remember that year that we decided we went in with Rhonda's parents and, and we come together and we decided that we was going to buy him this little battery operated Jeep, you know, and, uh, and it clearly stated on the box that, you know, that, that the age appropriate with this was like from the age of like five to to 10 years old was age appropriate. My son was three, but I said, you know what? He's a Dawes. He's an overachiever, and he can do this. And so I talked him into going in with us, and we bought that little Jeep, and I couldn't wait to give him that Jeep because in my mind, I had pictured him driving that Jeep, throwing his arm back and looking over his shoulder at his dad and say, you're the best dad in the whole world. You got me this Jeep. You know, that's what I had pictured in my mind. And so sure enough, we got the Jeep, and and uh, and uh, on Christmas, we put him in the Jeep, you know, and, and I showed him the steering wheel and the accelerator. And, and at three years old, he hit the accelerator, and that thing took off. It seemed like 100 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, it went up a little pine tree, and over it turned. He never rode in that Jeep again. I'm serious. He never rode. I mean, it was, it was over. I mean, right then, it was over. He, he was scared to death of that Jeep, and never again. It ended up in a yard sale years later. He never wrote. Why? Because he, I, I, my blessing became a curse. He wasn't prepared for that. He wasn't old enough to do that. And, and so because of that, it put a fear in him that, you know, it took years to get over. He's scared to death of those things. And so what I'm trying to tell you today is this, is that we must be prepared for the blessing of God. And now I've been praying for God to bless you. I prayed for you last night that God would bless you. I pray for you almost every day that God will bless you, take you up. I pray for you all the time. But what I discovered is this, this week, if you got my email, 
I discovered that I've never taught you how to be prepared for God's blessings. If you're not, God is never going to send a blessing that you're not prepared for. You agree with that? Because he's a good father. He, he's not like me think, oh, they got it. No, he knows if you're able to get it or not, or if you're able to handle it. So, so my job as your pastor is to teach you how to handle it so that you're ready to receive it. Amen? How, how many of you want to receive a blessing from God? Let me see your hand. Okay, all right. So we got to get prepared, right? So if I've not received it, then i got to check me out, not God. Oh, let me say that again. If I've not received the blessing of God that I've been praying for, then it's probably not God's problem. It's probably something to do with me. So I've got to say, okay, I've got to change something. And so on the screen, look what's coming up. Let's read this together. You ready? Come on. Let's read it together. Here we go. I must prepare for God's blessings before I can before I can receive it. I've got to prepare for it. I've got to be ready. Why? Because he's not going to give me something I'm not ready for. He's not like me. He knows all what's best for us. So let's get ready. Ready? So today I want to talk about how to be prepared, not just for a blessing, but a financial blessing. How many of you like a financial blessing from God? Let me see your hand, all right? Okay, great. That's all right. There we go. Hands are going up now. Yeah, don't leave me out. <laughs> That's right. Because God can give them, right? He owns it all. And so today I want to talk to you about this. So I want to go to, first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to give you the, the, the do's and the don'ts. And we're going to start with the don'ts first. You ready? Let's go. Here we go. Number one, did you write this down? The first don't is this, is don't hoard money. Don't hoard money. Now you're saying to yourself, I wish I had that problem. <laughs> Yeah, I don't have any to hoard. Well, I tell you what, when you receive, when you open, when you prepare yourself to receive God's blessing, you'll start having some. And so we're getting you ready for what's coming your way, not what you already have, right? All right, so we've got to be ready. We're anticipating. Look what James says here. He says this. He says, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Now, that sounds like he's ticked off, doesn't he? He's not talking to Christians. He's talking about people of the world, how they mistreated people. And then he goes on to say this. Let's read what's underlined. You ready? Come on. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. So what he was saying was this, is the way that they um, looked at wealth back in Jesus' day was this, is that if you had uh, food stockpiled, it showed your prestige. And if you had clothing stockpiled, it showed uh, your, your wealth. And then also jewelry. Uh, showed your wealth. And so what he's saying is, is that that food that you got stockpiles, it's going to rot. And that clothing that you don't, you know, you got so much of it, you don't even know what you have. The only clothing that doesn't, the moths would not eat is the clothing that they wore, the what they store up. Moths would end up eating it up. And he said, you know, that jewelry and stuff you had, it's going to tarnish. And so Jesus was talking about their day. So that make, maybe that'll make sense to you. So basically what he's saying is this, is what we accumulate will eventually deteriorate. What we accumulate will eventually deteriorate. And so, so there's a difference between savings and hoarding. See, saving is when you're preparing for something for the future. You're saving for something for the future. You've got to plan for that. But hoarding is that you're scared to death you're not going to get any more, and so you start stockpiling it away. It reminds me of a, a story I read this week of a lady who lived in uh, New York City, Manhattan area, the, one of the wealthiest areas in our country. She lived there, but she lived out of a, sh a shopping cart. 
and uh, all of her stuff, and she lived on the street. She lived out of her shopping cart, and eventually this, this beggar ended up dying, and when she died, they, they did a little research on her and found that she had over $300,000 in her checking account. But she was scared to spend any of that money. She became a hoarder. And so do not hoard. Again, now you've got to remember this when the blessing comes your way, right? Right now you might be like, man, I ain't got no money to hoard. I wish I did. But if, if we're pre- because we are SEC and we're preparing for God's blessing, it's going to come our way, right? And so now, when it comes, we know that, listen, God wants his money in circulation, right? Not all hoarded somewhere in a mattress. Amen. Okay. All right, here we go. <clears throat> so number two, to prepare for this financial blessing, number two is don't steal money. Don't steal money. <clears throat> now, I know all of you say, well, I, you know, I'm not a crook. I'm not stealing. Let me ask you something. Okay, will you all be honest with me? How many of you will admit with me that there was a time that my mom had some change on the table or my dad had some change laying somewhere? I went by and got me some bubblegum money. Anybody else do that? Oh, yeah. Let me ask you that question. Anybody else do something like that for your mom and dad? You took some money that was there? Okay, only half of you are telling the truth, all right? Okay, okay. To prepare for God's blessing, stop lying. Amen. All right, there we go. That's right. Some hands are better be going up. Look what James says. He says this. He said, look, the wages you failed to pay the worker who mowed your fields and are crying out against you the cries of the harvester have reached the ears of who? The Lord Almighty. In other words, he says, God sees everything. So what was going on in their day was this, is that in their day, day laborers were very common. Is that they would get people to come in and work in their fields and, and for the day, and then uh, at the end of the day, when it was all over with, you know, they were not paying the workers. They're like, I'm not paying you. And those workers had nowhere to turn. The, the, they couldn't turn to the court system. They couldn't turn to any of that stuff. They had nowhere to turn. And so they were taking advantage of the poor people that were coming to work in their fields. Now, let me just say this. There's a lot of ways that you can steal money. A lot of ways. One is, is that if you're working on your job and you're getting paid for your time and you're wasting time on your job, that's stealing. Got real quiet then. I heard one or two. Amen. And that's stealing. You just think, if you're the owner of the company, you're paying someone to do work, and, and they're wasting that time, then that, that's stealing money. Also, I would say this, that, you know, uh, if you're, um, another way that uh, comes to mind is that not paying your debts. If you, you know, if you owe money and you don't pay your debts, then, then my friend, then that's another way that you're stealing. If you borrowed it and you didn't pay it back, that's stealing. Selling a used car that the engine is about to fall out of and you done doctorate it up until you, until you stick somebody else with it. Now, I know none of you would do that, but we all have been stuck, right? Okay, it's real quiet in here now. Real quiet in here. Oh, and cheating on our taxes. Okay, let's move on. That's a, that's a tough All right, here we go. Remember, it's coming up on the screen. Let's read it together. Here it comes. Let's read it. Ready? I must prepare for God's blessing before I can i got to be prepared. And so this is the don'ts. This is the don'ts, all right? So we can't do this. All right, the third don't is this, is don't waste money. Don't waste money. You're like, oh, I don't have a lot to waste. Well, it's coming your way. So be ready. Here we go. Look what James says. James says this. 
James 5 and 5, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. He begins, he's telling these people of the world this. So, you know, he's saying, don't waste money. Now, many of you say, well, I don't, I don't waste money. Well, I found a, uh, a survey that showed how we waste money uh, here in our country, and it's across all generations. So let's throw this uh, screen up here, this slide up, and show you. The number one way that we waste money is this, is eating out. Oh, I'm guilty as charged, aren't you? Yes. Cable television. You know what's interesting about that? It was the people that are over the age of 60 that spend about uh, 30% of their income on, or 30% waste on, on cable television. Okay? That was pretty interesting to me. Cell phones. Uh, and it goes on and on and on. But you can see these are ways that, with, that we don't have to have this stuff, but many times we choose to waste money in those areas. I, you know, one that I don't see up there is gym memberships. It's amazing to me. I've been going to this gym for about a year and a half, two years maybe, and, and it's amazing in January how I see all these people start coming to the gym for three weeks and I don't see them the rest of the year. And I know they're paying $39 a month just like I am to go to that gym. You know what? And I'm like, how is this gym staying open? There's nobody in it. I know how it's staying open. People just being charged. And not... Okay, never mind. All right, move on. All right, here we go. All right, so the fourth thing is this. The fourth don't is this, is don't abuse the influence of money. Don't abuse the influence of money. James 5 and 6, he says, you have condemned and murdered innocent people who couldn't even what? Again, he's talking about the people here that were um, in their day. Again, the, the legal system that they did have, they, it was very corrupt. Is that if you had money, you know, and, and listen, people that have money have a voice. Do you agree with that? And not only that, but you and I listen to people with money, don't we? I mean, we can, we can deny that if we don't, but we do. I mean, they, they got money. Somehow they've, they've been able to acquire something. But what happened in their days was the people with money would just pay the judges off. And so, you know, they were using their money uh, for the wrong reason. They were using it to bribe, and then they were using their money to threaten people with. And, and, and let me just say this. You should never use money to bribe people or threaten with people with when you get it. When you get it, when it comes your way, you got to remember this, that you cannot use your money to do that. Listen, and right now, we as parents have a way of doing that with our kids, don't we? Like, listen, you want to go out on that date this week, and you're flashing a $20 bill. You know what I'm saying? You want this, then you better do that. And so we're used to teaching our, our, our kids to live on threats and bribes. And, and so we have to be very, very careful not to do that. Now, remember, the reason we're talking about this is so you can be prepared, right? Because God cannot send anything to you that you're going to run up a pine tree. Okay. Some of you are going to wake up in the middle of the night and say, oh, he's talking about that Jeep of his son. That's what he's talking about right there. Okay. Now, let's talk about the do's. You ready? So what do we do? Well, here we go. Number one is this, is save and invest money. Save and invest money. And we're going to go to Proverbs now. Look what Proverbs says. Proverbs 21 and 20 says this. The wise person does what? Are you wise? That's just a question. 
But the foolish person does what? Spends whatever they get. So Jesus said, either if you save for the future, you're wise, you're a fool if you don't, if you spend everything you get. And so over, this is what he's saying. Jesus actually said, and, and, and when you read the New Testament, you find that Jesus tells a lot of stories to teach us a lesson. Over half of those stories are taught dealing with money. Over half of them are taught dealing with money. Matter of fact, he talks more about money than he does heaven and hell combined. So he wanted us to get the message. And so what he was trying to say this is this, is that when you, begin to, uh, when you begin to talk about money, we have to understand that you have to learn, uh, instead of just working for money, learn to get your money to work for you when you save it. Amen? So you, you quit. When you begin to save money and invest money, you don't have to work as hard for money anymore. Your money's working hard for you. And that's what he wants to teach us to do is this. And so we need financial margins in order to do this. Do you agree with that? Now, margins, how many of you remember, like, learning to write, you know, when you were in kindergarten or whenever, that they taught you those dotted lines on the end of the page, you wouldn't go past that. Anybody remember that? Okay, you weren't supposed to. Why? Because if it's all just, if you don't have any margins and you just fill up the page, it doesn't make as much sense, does it? And so the Bible says that you don't need, when you don't spend all you make, you have margin in your life. There's a little cushion here, okay? And, and it, it makes life easier when it's not all jammed together, when, it, when you're not on empty all the time. I don't know about you, but I would hate to work for a company that didn't have any margin. Because that means that one customer didn't pay up, then that means you didn't get paid for that week, right? So we want our companies to have margin, right? Because we want to get paid whether that one person pays or not. And so we, should, we need to live, ourselves, uh, live our lives that way. Now watch this. Every person in this room that works a job is self-employed. Every person. You say, no, 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 I, I work for this company. I work for Delta Airlines. You know, I work for UPS or whatever, wherever you work for. No, no, no. you're still self-employed. You know why? Because you are contracting yourself out <clears throat> to that company, and they're paying you for your time. You are self-employed. And, and let me just tell you something. Most people in this room right now are in, you have a small business. You have a small business partnership. You may not know this, but you are in business together. If you have a family, you are a small business partner. Amen? Because it take, when you're running a home, it's, like it's running a small business, isn't it? And, and so you have, to under, you have to look at it that way. See, Rhonda and I understand we are team dogs. We're in business together. We, we run our house together. And every two weeks, we have to have a financial meeting of how our business is doing. And see, that's, what, that's, that's how you create margin in your life. And I want to encourage you to do that. There's a guy by the name of uh, John D. Rockefeller. John D. Rockefeller was one of the wealthiest men in, in, our, in the history of America. And, and, and still today, he would be that if you calculated money the same way it was calculated in the early 1900s. But what he discovered was that he had to have margin. And he discovered this plan. We, well, I talk about it all the time. It's called the 10-10-80 plan. He said, I, I gave 10% to God. He said, I, I put 10% away in the savings for myself. And then I lived off 80%. It's the 10-10-80 plan. 10% first to God. Then I paid me next, 10% to me and my savings, and then lived off 80%. I want to challenge you to try the 10-10-80 plan in order that you can create margin in your life. You say, Pastor Jeff, I can't do that. I'm, right now, it's taking all I got. 
Well, I would tell you, number one, is that you need to go through financial peace because there's money that's leaking through your hands that you haven't identified yet. And, uh, and we're starting over and again in February, so you can take it again, uh, sign up in February. But listen, quit complaining about your money problems and do something about it. If, you're not, if, you're not, if you can't manage what you got right now, why in the world would God curse you and more? We, we're going to get, that, that's why I preach financial peace. That's why I stand up here and tell you, you've got to get it together because God wants to bless you, but he doesn't want his blessing to become a curse. So, so let's just learn how to get it right so that he can pour it out on us. Amen. Why, do, why does everybody else have to be blessed? Well, maybe they got together, but SEC, we're getting it together. We're going to learn how to do this. Let's just say it again together before I forget it. You ready? Come on. Let's say this. Here we go. Oh, did I miss something? I must. Here we go. Here we go. I must prepare for God's blessings before I can receive God's blessings. And that's it's so true. All right. Okay, number two is this, of the dues. Here we go. Earn money honestly. Earn money honestly. Look what Proverbs says again. Money that comes easily disappears how? Quickly. That's right. But money that is gathered little by little will what? Grow. Okay. So what he's saying is, he's saying, quit praying that you, that, you know, you get a large, that you win the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes and start saving a little by little. You know what I discovered this week in doing research? 70% of the people that win the lottery within three to five years file bankruptcy. 70%. And you know, like a couple uh, weeks ago when the lottery's like at $1.7 billion or whatever, I don't know whatever it got to, I heard on the radio this, that they said, you know, that, that only 30% of people that actually win the lottery, uh, their lives get better. And out of that percentage, the largest number was faith, people of faith. People that had it together, they're the ones that did the best because, listen, even though they got money, the money never got them. Woo-hoo-hoo! See, when we're preparing like we are today, then God can bless you because he knows that if he gives you money, the money will never get you. That you'll know what to do with it and how to, to use it and how to bless other people. Okay, look what Proverbs says. Proverbs 12 and 27 says this. If you are lazy, you will never get what you're after. Can I get a big amen? amen. Oh, lazy. We don't have time to stop there. All right. But if you work hard, you will get what? A fortune. You will. You will get a fortune. Now, here's the issue. It's not how much you make. It's how you make it that matters. Oh, let me You see, a drug dealer might have a lot of money, right? See what I'm talking about? Now, a, a guy that, that, that steals from people could have a lot of money. It's not what you make. It's how you make it. And let me just say this to you. For, for those of you that's in the room that God has blessed you, and you've made a lot of money, or you make a lot of money, we applaud you. Don't you feel bad for that? You have applied yourself. God has blessed you. Don't you hang your head like you're some kind of criminal or nothing. If you've earned your money, and you've done it the right way, then we applaud you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Right? I think we make, I think we make wealthy people feel bad for what, what they, God has blessed them with. And I just don't think that's right at all. God's got to bless somebody, right? Hallelujah. I want to be in our church, don't you? 
Yeah, that's why I'm praying for you. God bless you. I'm trusting you. You're going to do it. Do what's right. Watch this. When, it, when is it wrong? When, it, when, it, when is it wrong making money? I'll tell you what's wrong. Is when it destroys your health. When it destroys, when it's interfering with your family, when it's destroying your family, and when it's destroying your spiritual life. When you're, when making money, when making money takes your health, and it's taking your family, and it's taking your spiritual life, it's wrong, friend. It's damaging you. When you don't have time for God anymore because you've got to go to work and you've got to make the money, then, friends, something is wrong. And, it, and until you correct that wrong, it will never be right. You hear that? It will never be right. And so we're preparing for that. We're preparing for that. All right, let's say it again together. You ready? Come on. Here we go. One more time. I must prepare for God's blessings before I can, before I can receive God's blessing. I have to prepare. And the things that we're, this outline I'm giving you right now, you know what? Some of you that wrote me off already. And let me just say this, if that's you, please don't do that. Because you'll never have what God wants to give you until you know how to do it His way. So this is God's way. This is not Jeff's way. This is God's way. And He wants to bless you. Again, don't make me waste my prayers. (laughs) I've been praying for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Take you up, take you up, take you up. And this is what He put on my heart. That I've got to teach you this so that you can be blessed. Okay, here we go. The third thing is this. Would you write this down? The third do is this, is give money generously that God has provided. Give money generously that God has provided. Now, as you're writing that down, I'm going to say this to you. I don't have this verse on the Bible, uh, from the Bible on your outline, but it says this in James, he says this, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Every one of them. So God has, God has given you the ability to, to, to earn every dollar that you have. You say, well, I don't know. I don't see that. Well, let me tell you something. The fact that you get up out of the bed and able to go to work, he gave you the physical ability to do that. If it wasn't for God, if the devil had his way, you'd be, you'd be, handy, you'd be paralyzed. You wouldn't be able to move. You'd be dead. But because God made a way for you to get up and go to work, God gave you the, the mental capacity that you could learn and that you could do your job. God has given you the very air that you're breathing right now is a blessing from God. Life is a gift from God. So I'm telling you, if it's not for God, you wouldn't have anything. And you wouldn't be anything. Amen? And many of us know because we remember we were nothing until God got a hold of us anyway and straightened us out, right? He has, he has taken us up. Would you agree with that? Our lives are better because of him. And so we know. Look what Proverbs says. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Let's read those first two words out loud. You ready? Give freely and become more. Okay, now let's read the rest of that. You ready? Be stingy and lose everything. Oh, be stingy and lose everything. Here's the problem. You and I, we don't know the difference between giving and generosity. Here's the difference. Giving is that when you got money or you got something and you give it to somebody. But generosity is this, is that you've got money or you got something and you give it to someone with no strings attached. Watch this. The problem that most of us, most of us face is this, is that when we give something away, especially money, when we give it to someone, we're expecting that person to say thank you. We're expecting that person to appreciate uh, 
to show appreciation. We're expecting them maybe to do something with the money. You know, we're telling, in other words, we give the money, but we're expecting them to do something with it or show appreciation. And when they don't, the bottom line is this, is that we feel like deep inside that they owe us. You know what I'm talking about? We helped you out, but you owe me. You need to say thank you to me. You need to pay me back. You need to do something to show me that. So we had this little, and here's what I want to tell you. You see, that we had the money before we gave it to them, and then after we gave them the money, then the money's got us. Oh, dear God, you didn't get that. We had the money before we gave it to them, but now that we gave them the money because we, we, we didn't want to do it generously, we did it giving, there's a string from our heart to that money until they do what we think they should do for us, and they should say thank you, or they should do whatever. Until they do that, then we can't let go. And so many of you in this room have given people stuff that, you know, right now you think they owe you, you think they should pay you back, you think that they should do good for you, you think all this stuff because you've been good to them. And I want to tell you, when you gave, you didn't do it generously, you just gave. And until you cut that string, until you say, no, I've given this to you, and God bless you, do what, do what you think you need to do. I'm letting go of it. I'm not holding on to it anymore. And many of you, that money has still got a hold of you. You can't get victory in your life. You're still mad. You're still angry. Why? Because there's a string from your heart to that money you gave away 10 years ago. Cut the string, baby. You are never going to be happy until you let it go. Oh, this is good. I know this is better than you thought you was going to get when you saw money, didn't you? It, it's better. See, be generous. Be generous with your gift. And, and see, that's the great thing about tithing. Tithing is that when you tithe to God through a local church like SEC, you're giving the money without strings because you don't know what that money's going to do. You have no idea. You're just saying, God, I'm doing my part, and you give it, and there's no strings attached. You don't say, well, uh, you know, they better do this or they better do that. That's what God says. He says, give it. And let me just tell you something. Today, I want you to know that, that your, your money, your tithe dollars is doing what you can't do anyway. Right now, do you know there's a special needs cl- uh, uh, ministry that will be happening in our next service for, for those kids that have special needs that your money is providing for? Your money is providing special needs. Do you know there's kids right now in the preschool area right now that are eating crackers and stuff that you provided, and your money is providing a preschool area right now that those kids can receive love from Jesus? Do you know that right now there's a kids place, uh, a kids place ministry going on upstairs right now that those little kids are being taught and and you provided that space for them do you know that there's teenagers on a retreat right now that there's about 30 teenagers on a retreat right now high schoolers that are on retreat that that your money is going and helping them learn about god and there you do you know that right now that this seats that you provided that the tide dollars right now if those seats could speak to you of the lives that have been changed that's coming sit in those seats because your money will do what you cannot do it will do that. Do you, do, you know, do you know that because I am salaried by this church, you know that I have a salary and that every good thing that, that God does in my life, if I'm on television and I'm sharing about the gospel, it's you that are there with me. Do you know that? Do you, do you know that every time that I go to a funeral and I share the love of Jesus Christ, you are there with me. Why? Because I, you have sponsored me as a man of God. You have done it. 
every, everything that's good that goes on from this church, if you're a tither, I'm telling you, you're a part of it. Right now, do you know that you're in Pakistan right now putting a, bill, a roof on a church right now? Do you know your money's there doing that? Do you know that you're in the Middle East right now, right in Jordan, that we had a missionary right there that you support, your tithe dollar support right now that is sharing Jesus Christ with people that want to kill us? Do you know that? I'm, I'm telling you, when you drop that money in that envelope, in that bucket today, it's not just about you, baby, but it's about the work of God that's going on all over the world. Whoa, that is so exciting, isn't it? Do you, do you know, do you know that, that my tithe dollars, because Ron and I are, are tithers, and we drop ours in the bucket. Do you know that, that we can't be at the elementary school every week, but you know that, that my money is there investing in the children's lives? Do you know that? Oh, I'm telling you more than you want to know right now, aren't I? But it's, it's amazing. It's God's kingdom at work. And that's why, listen, we got to prepare. Why? Because it takes money, doesn't it? When we give our tithes, it's more than just what you're doing. It's what happens in people's lives that you don't even know. People that are going to counseling right now, your tithe dollars that have helped them get there. People's marriages that have been saved, your tithe dollars has done that. Look on the next step with me. It says, I will do my best to give generously. I pray that's you. Not just money, but your love, your time, your affection. Why don't you give it? Okay, number four. Number four, make Jesus the manager of your life. Make Jesus the manager of your life. Now, I'm about to say something here, so I want you to look at me, okay? Unmanageable finances is often a symptom of an unmanaged life. Man finances that are out of control is a symptom usually of a life that's out of control. And so today we have an answer. Look what the Bible says in, in Philippians 4, 19. He says this. And who? And who? My God shall what? Supply all of your what? Needs, not your greeds, not your wants, but all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Now here's my question through Christ Jesus. Who's your manager? We call it, we, you know, we call it being saved. Jesus being the Lord of our life, that means he's the manager. I want to ask you a question. Who is going to manage your life? You've got to decide that. Are you going to, take, are you going to leave it up to your wisdom? I've decided this, that this book, which is God's Word, is going to be the manager of my life. It's going to call the shots. And i got a question for you. If God is not going to call the shots, then who is? Do you know someone greater than God? Do you know, you know someone better than God? If you do, you let me know, because I don't know them. If you know someone that's all-knowing, that's better than God, then you let me know. But if not, if you do not, I'm telling you, today you want to make Jesus Christ the manager of your life. Why? Because he knows what tomorrow holds. And, he, and we know who holds tomorrow. Today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your manager, your Lord and Savior of your life, there's a prayer that we have for you. It's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. I want to challenge you today. 
to pray this prayer that you can have Jesus as the manager of your life. Oh, he wants to lead you in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The 23rd Psalm comes to my mind. The Lord is my shepherd. He's the manager of my life. He makes me lie down in the green pastures. He restores my soul. He does for me what nobody else could do for me. When I'm about to step into the dangers and the wolves are about to attack, it's about to attack me and I'm about to make a wrong decision. It's amazing how he comes in and says, oh, don't do that, and how he protects me from that. I'm still here today because he's my shepherd. He's my manager. There's been, listen, you know the devil wanted to take me out. He wants to take you out, but it's because of God Almighty that I stand here, that he's surrounding me with his angels. Amen? <clears throat> Would you stand with me right now? Do you understand that God's got angels around you? We're his investment. Hallelujah. Amen? Oh, I know I'm more excited about this than you are. But I am God's investment, and so are you. He's got a lot tied up in you. He gave his son's blood for you. He loves you. And if you could just, if, if you made him your manager, if you could just see, the reason that you didn't wreck your car is because God had angels all the way around it. The reason the crook didn't get you because God had angels around you. God's got you, amen? Oh, and we love him today, right? Oh, we're not overwhelmed by life. We're not overwhelmed by finances. We're not overwhelmed by that because we are overwhelmed by the great love of Jesus Christ. Amen? Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.